And you are tuned into He Said, She Said on IntellectualRadio.com. I am so excited, you guys. It is Sunday. It's our fun day. And we come here every weekend, every Sunday. And I just love what I do. I can't say enough how much I love this platform. I'm very blessed, honored, grateful that you guys chime in with me every week. I so appreciate it. To our group, he says, she said, for the members, thank you so much. A lot of these topics that we talk about every week kind of stem from conversations that we have in the group. So join that group. It's he says, she said, look for this symbol and you'll find it on Facebook. So you can, guys can chime in on Facebook. And I'd like to say that this is brought to you by Allstate. Whether you need auto, home, or life insurance, Give Sal a call. Tell him I sent you 708-599-5100. Call Allstate. You are going to be in good hands with Allstate. So, so excited to have me a whole new panel. <laughs> He's in sheets. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. and I, I got my veterans with some new faces, and I love it. So, People always say that you didn't have enough guys on your panel for that discussion. Oh, yeah, we could be down. You didn't have enough women yeah. on your panel for that discussion. Well, today I do. So I have with us James Borshade. Hello, hello, hello. Our certified life coach. All right. And Josh. How you doing? Okay, John. How's it going? <laughs> Kathleen. Hi. <laughs> and then our dear Valencia. Hello. So... I would love just you guys to tell a little bit about yourselves very quickly as so they get to know you. They know us. We're here every week. Uh, he says she said on intellectualradio.com, but we brought you some new faces. But really to show you what how they fit into this conversation today, we're going to be talking about arrested development. And we'll go into exactly what we mean by that conversation. Someone in the group today wrote. And I said, wow, that fits perfectly. Uh, did you see the comment of? I'll look for it. It's here somewhere in my notes. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to tell you a comment that they said that fits so perfectly. But I'm going to start with Kathleen. Kathleen, tell us a little bit about you and what you bring to our he said, she said table today. Okay. Well, I'm the facilitator, life coach, and director of the Freedom Life Center Life Recovery Program. And we are a psychoeducation. Psychoeducation. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Where we deal with um, childhood wounds, and you got the grown-up issues coming from your childhood, and that's what arrests your emotional development, when you have unresolved issues from your childhood, usually the first 14 years of your life. Mm -hmm. the oh goodness I gotta write that down mm -hmm. you guys you may need a pen and pad I do I use my I go over my notes of what I learn from our show I do the show not only for you guys but I do it for me too <laughs> it's part of my healing mm -hmm. and I, I really love that so unresolved issues you said yes. from usually from under when you're 14 or younger right mm -hmm. usually it's the first 14 years first, first 10 years 10 to 14 years of your life that's when you're growing, your brain is growing, and if you've been traumatized, it will arrest the emotional development. You can grow up on physically, but emotionally you will be stunted or stuck at the age of trauma. 
stunted at the age of trauma. Mm -hmm. Hey, I know I have to (laughs) and not write everything down. Okay, I'll keep going. There are a lot of 40-year-old, 14-year-olds. Yes. That was kind of the comments. There's a lot of six-year-old, 40-year-olds. Yeah. There there are a lot of three-year-old, 90-year-olds. That's that's true. Yes. Yes. Someone said in the group today, what did they say, that we stopped developing at eighth grade, or that seemed like our comments were from an eighth grade uh, level. So that's that's Because they might be. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, that is... You, you have a mm-hmm. okay, and so I'll I'll move over to you, John. Tell us how you come to the table. You're from Freedom. What's the name? Freedom, Freedom Life, Life Center. Center. Yeah. Yeah, I I was uh, introduced to Kathleen because of the need and in my marriage issues, and that was back in June of 2014 when I first met her and came to her classes and. She, on the orientation night, is when I felt touched. Um, She said, everything that's happened to you, everything you've done, is not your fault. And all my life, I've felt responsible for everything that's happened Mm. in my growing up years with my parents, my sisters. I had seven sisters. And I felt responsible for everybody. I, and they made me feel that way. And I, I'm not. I found out that I'm not. I'm only responsible for myself. And You did a whole healing show just in that one comment. That one, if yes. someone told themselves that, mm-hmm. that you're responsible for yourself. Yeah. I, that, I love that. We're I love that. I really want to be writing all of this down, <laughs> but I'm just going to have to rewatch the show. Cause that, that's you know, as, as children, you're traumatized. We take full responsibility for everything that's happened. To us and for everybody in the family or around us. Yes. That's what happens as children. So we're true. not emotionally mature enough to understand that it's not our fault. We, we take responsibility. I love that. We're going to dive more into that. That is so, I mean, you guys are hitting <laughs> really deep in the beginning. I love it. I love it. Really something to think about. Uh, that That definitely has to be explored more. So, Josh. Uh, same for you. Did you come? I actually came because uh, I had a family member that was actually coming to this class too, and you know, I just she started telling me about it before she could even finish. I was like, I'm in. I was just like, I'm in. I'm like, I felt stuck in my life. I felt like I was just going nowhere. You know, just le- reliving my my family history of, I mean, just abuse and stuff like that, and just I just felt stunted. You know, like with my growth, I, I felt like that. That you know, eighth grader in a grown-up body, you know. So I just really was like, I need to get ahead. I need to move on and just grow up and not continue the mental anguish my family was like putting us all through and just repeating the cycle of that. I have questions. What one thing I must say is a lot of times I hear that men don't get help. They don't ask for help. They and I so commend you and I love that you're representing that that you felt the need and you reached out for it and that I love seeing a face to that where people that so commonly mm-hmm. said that men don't do this yeah. and so I, I think that's pretty cool I commend you as well because not, you're showing that not only is it okay to get help but you should you need to and if you want we, a different we outcome need to. yes mm-hmm. absolutely the truth is real men get help 
Oh, oh, drop the mic, John. <laughs> We're done. Tune in next week. <laughs> That's the show. <laughs> and he said that, not Whoa. she said. Whoa. Whoa, I love it. So, uh, you guys are familiar with. I, I don't. Well, you know what? Let's do a quick. So they, I mean, I feel like they know you, but what if there's someone wa- watching goes, I don't know her, and I'm assuming you guys know. So James, tell us about yourself. Well, James Warshade, I'm a certified life coach, but I got into life coaching only because I needed help. And so I started reading and studying and I went to a coach and thought, okay, as I've gotten at, to a certain point in my journey, and we're all continuing a journey, I felt like, okay, man, I've read so much about this stuff, I might as well get certified in it and start helping other people as I walk along my own journey. And so my job is to help people get to a place in their journey where they turn around and start helping other people as well. I I started my journey from going to Journey to Wholeness Center. My dear friend Kimberly Davis opened it, and as I started, as she brought in her practitioners, I started going to them. She said, you know what, you can go to them uh, as part of your package here. And I was like, perfect, and I was taking advantage of them all and loved it. And then the show was birthed, and... I heard you on a show, or we were we were on a show together. We were on a show together, yeah. And everything you were going through, as I I'm uh, divorced, and through that divorce, still I was healing from it. But listening to you, it was like hearing what I thought my my ex husband would think mm-hmm. or feel, and I hadn't thought of it from that perspective, or because I felt like he didn't talk, and it, we couldn't communicate. It was like I was hearing you say things that I. I thought explain things and, for me. And a lot of the times it's difficult for us to talk. I try to make sure that I say the things that I think we're all thinking, but we don't say. Sometimes because we don't know to say it or sometimes we don't have the words to say it. And so it is difficult for all of us. But I'm, I am trying to sometimes push back the difficulty to say the things that I think you all don't know we really feel. That was helpful for me. It was helpful for me to understand him. It actually has helped our co-parenting relationship to see him from a different perspective. And so that was helpful. And then I used you as a life coach and brought him on the show and the rest is history. And dear Valencia, I've from Facebook, you were doing the Relationship Tuesdays. <laughs> yes. And I just loved your opinion and how many, how how you were her always factual opinion. her yeah. factual opinion <laughs> <laughs> and uh so i said okay valencia i would love to have your your voice on this team but so tell us though how you connect well i uh met kathleen through my husband um i met my husband and he put all his chips on the table in that very first conversation we ever had um and he let me know who he was before Kathleen and what I see now and the stories of him before I can't even imagine Um, and so that made me want to I've always kind of been on a journey and knew that was more um, like I always say in our shows people say do the work but what's the work where are the tools how do you really get it done and my little book here I got a book for my thing and it's actual work I go home I have work I have things to read things to go in your brain to retrain you and 
do things different. And so I started with Kathleen. Uh, I actually wanted to do it a, probably about a year ago, but it's uh, kind of weird. She's getting more men now, actually, than she's getting women. And so her men's classes are continually, and we're trying to get enough women to have a women's group. Um, and so uh, about last October, I started to pull back from doing the show. And that was because I wanted to make sure that I was not advising under my experiences and that I wanted to make sure, because I noticed I was getting a following. The Relationship Tuesdays when I was on the show, people were like, where is she? And I didn't want to advise and give bad advice. And so I wanted to, so it took me about a year to actually get going with Kathleen and I've been doing it for probably three three months, three or four months now. Mm -hmm. And um, I really am enjoying the journey. Um, I'm enjoying what I'm learning. It is helping me so much in my uh, life, personally, at work. And you Everybody's can see a different Valencia. Yeah. Yes. You can tell, you the, can difference. tell the difference. <laughs> but I, I love what you say because one thing with this is people often tell you, you you need to do your homework you need to go you go where what How, right. what is homework what, what is, is work yes. what is the work what mm -hmm. do i do mm -hmm. you really don't have the tools to right. fix or even the language to understand mm -hmm. what you're feeling to actually fix it because i noticed today someone said i, I i'm not happy but what, what does that mean what does that mean and i have a feeling sheet. <laughs> Wait, we're going to go into that. Yeah, for happy. So when you say what does happy mean, they're like, you're, you're stuck. And then so in this course, we get a sheet. And under happy, it gives breaks it down so you can really communicate. Communicate better. Communicate better. what you're feeling. I will say that, that I noticed the men were getting so frustrated with this woman saying that she was unhappy and lonely. And I thought about that's not probably, they have their idea of what happy means. And they were saying that's a fairy tale and don't read the books. And you guys are getting into <laughs> fairy tales of what, like, and I said, well, I don't, I, I think the language, she doesn't have the language to tap into what that real emotion is. And, and he doesn't either. Mm -hmm. Especially because they're taught stuff. Be a man, suck it up. Even as little boys, they stuff their feelings, which is the worst thing you can do to yourself. So this feeling word sheet is such a powerful tool because the brain can't find the word to say. And once you put that and you put that's how I feel and you say the word like rejected or abandoned or you know any of those big words, the brain unlocks mm. and your adrenaline begins to come down. So it's it's so important that we use it more in the men's class than we do the women's classes because men were not taught to do that. And it's to be in touch with what you feel makes for the most creative and powerful person. But, to but be we, out of in touch, it debilitates you. It makes you weak. Aren't we taught not to feel? Men were. Men were. We, you were taught society and the way you were raised. Yeah. We are taught men do not want conflict. Right. You will go to every extreme to avoid, avoid conflict. Avoid it. Yeah. Women want resolution now. Mm -hmm. Right. So what men are taught, conflict's okay. It's okay. It can be go resolved. Go for it. It's okay. Because every conflict resolved creates intimacy. Mm. 
That'll every preach, conflict right result. Preach, preach, I want to write all this down. Put that I mic right here. I need somebody else to host it so I can write notes. Every <laughs> conflict resolved between a, married, a couple creates intimacy. The doors every, of the church are now open. Uh, we we will take your tithes and offer. Resolve creates intimacy. intimacy. And I, we, like you said, we're we're taught to not argue. Give him peace. Like try not to even discuss a conflict. As women, we're told that often that uh, you want to be his peace. Submit. submit. And oh, yeah. submit means to just keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. And we've got another one. Men are taught happy wife, happy life, which means keep your mouth shut. Yeah. And just make her <laughs> don't, you know, and don't. avoid the conflict. Avoid conflict. And so nothing gets resolved. <laughs> right. But if we saw conflict differently as a way to resolve it and get to intimacy, yes. we will be closer if yes. we resolve this conflict. So the tools, though, we don't have to resolve conflict. Yeah, and with her class, it also teaches us what unhealthy way of conflict and a healthier way to approach the conflict. Yes. You know, so it'll teach you like a dirty fighting technique and what you actually should do, how to counteract that and have a, a healthier way of, you know, you can still be in a disagreement, but there's a healthy way to approach it. And that's that was helpful really for me. And I didn't know how to do that because it was just, it was happy or angry, you know, and I didn't know how to approach it in a grown-up way, kind of say. So I have a question about that, Kathleen. When you say we, when, when Josh Mish mentions that we don't know how to approach it from a healthy way, is that from arrested development? That is from trauma from child, arrested emotional development. Hmm. You know, he got to his trauma. The thing is with Josh, which is what we all do that work, this is the work, you figure out where you were traumatized. It doesn't have to be exactly. And then you realize, okay, this this pain from my past is creating this behavior that I have right now. Yes. And that's where you that's where you begin to mature and your brain starts to rewire and it rewires and it restarts the maturing process. Most people are not even growing. They're stuck. Until you get the help, do the work, then you get the reward, which is the reward, euphoria, sense of well-being, and intimacy in relationship and fulfillment. And, and the 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 work, in another word, also is putting aside everything. Like you have to come in and say, "I don't know anything." You have to be willing to say, "My parents made some mistakes." You have to come in and say, you made some mistakes. And that's the hardest part for people. So when people say, what is the work? The work is coming in being 100% transparent and vulnerable. Mm. So is that a, a common thing for people? I know that that's tough for me. The feeling of vulnerability feels so open and scary. Mm -hmm. is, do you... Is that something that's common that when people very come in? Very common, very common. Uh, almost everyone comes in with some denial. And denial is a gift from our creator until someone makes it safe enough where we can do the work. And that's where when you feel safe, you'll begin to be transparent. No judgment, no condemnation. You know, you're just safe. This is a safe atmosphere. We create that atmosphere whether it's in the classes or private session. You know, the men are more nervous in the beginning because they're not, you know, they don't want, the first thing they think, I don't want to open up, I don't want to talk. You don't have to. When your brain feels safe, you can or you will want to. You will want to. 
So feeling safe for men, because I'm so intrigued by this. Women, we talk. It, if I feel it, it's coming out. I don't even have to put a thought to feeling safe to say it. Mm-hmm. So I would like to know more about that. Like for guys, is it how you were trained or taught not to say, not to discuss it or toughen up or what is that like for men? Uh, let me get the question clear. I guess what I'm asking, I we I talk. If I feel something, I say it. Does it feel stifling? Do you feel, or do you just let it go, or does it build up inside of you? What is that like? Well, it depends on how you grew up. It, it all goes back to the childhood, your childhood. You know, the way I grew up, I was the only boy. I had no voice. So that shaped me all the way through my life until I realized I have voice. I'm a person. I get to say what I need to say. Um, so it all comes back, it all goes back to your childhood. You know, you know, whenever your first trauma was, it could have been in the womb. Uh, third trimester of the womb is when your uh, subconscious is developed. Fully. And you can get it through your mother's stress when she's carrying you. That's where your first wound could happen, your first trauma. But, it, you know, you can mature two, three years after your first trauma, and that's where you're arrested in development. Mm-hmm. So you're, if you're wounded in the womb, you might mature as a two- or three-year-old, and that's where you're stuck right. for the rest yep. of your life mm-hmm. until <laughs> you get somewhere, somebody to that's help you make true. sense of the craziness that is within you. And you have no memory of that. Exactly. You have no right. memory of that trauma. And then usually... Once you're traumatized, you get traumatized all the way throughout mm-hmm. your childhood because right. it's like a law of attraction. It happens to you because you're mm-hmm. traumatized. And I I think most all of us have been traumatized in the womb because our mothers yes. had no clue. You know, they had no clue about life. You know, they, they didn't know same, about birth they bonding. The same thing we, you know, we all are living with. So I think, I believe myself that everybody's been traumatized in the womb. Okay, Kathleen, that seems so <laughs> overwhelming to me because how do you fix something that you weren't even born? It's, it's like it's where so do you get easy the tools to fix. for that. That's Is what's it? So it's oh, unbelievable. It's very easy <laughs> to fix. I've watched. I I watch it. It's like I watch people get transformed right before my eyes, and it's like it's amazing. Um, it's a lifelong thing, but you will begin it takes that's why the class is six months because it takes the brain that long to process it takes three years once you make the decision to forgive it takes the brain three years to process it and to really get rid of the sting but it takes the brain a minute and a half to get addicted to porn this goes to show you how we're wired and so what we go we go back in there and we help your brain your subconscious mind not your conscious, because it's all stored in the subconscious mind. Everything gets pushed in there throughout your whole life. And then here you grew up in, as an adult, and you might say, I don't remember, I don't know about that. But these stuffed emotions in your subconscious mind are navigating your whole life. And that's why you got relationships that can't work and don't work, and why we have anger. You know, people wonder, why am I so angry? You know, and like he said, John didn't have a voice at all because of his trauma in the womb. You have no voice. That's that's one of the symptoms. You don't have memory, but the symptom is you can't communicate. You can't talk. I was there at one time. I could not complete a sentence. 
I was so arrested in my development. And I, my self-esteem was so low you could scrape me off the floor until I did this work. And I didn't even know I came into it. I was asked to be facilitator because I was pseudo-mature. And I was in leadership and I was in, you know, leading groups and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, we want you to come and facilitate the life recovery program at that time. It was, you know, I was like, my first day there, I was like, I need to take this. I need to get healed. And that's kind of what you were feeling when you were, yes. you knew. It's like, you know, I got to help people. I need to, I need to get some more work done on my yes. own soul. Mm -hmm. Most people, they'll invest in their house. They'll invest in their bodies even. You know, house, the cars, the stuff, education. But the most neglected part of our being is our soul. Mm -hmm. And most people will not take the time out to do this. That's what she was saying. It's an investment. It is like, okay, I got to put everything aside. And I got to figure out myself and figure out where I'm stuck and what's going on with me. And then you restart the growing process and it sets you free to be who you really are, you know. And then you find out I'm not really this angry person. I'm not abuse. I'm not an abuser. I'm abusing because I was abused. But it's not my fault because of what happened to me. But it's my responsibility now that I'm an adult to figure it out and to do the work. And Josh, you were... Uh, sabotaging every relationship he had. I want you to talk about that because he totally figured out where was your trauma. My, my trauma was uh, when I was one, my uh, mother uh, took off on us and just decided she didn't want to, you know, raise her kids. So he had abandonment. Yeah, so I had abandonment issue from that. And I would, uh, I would sabotage every relationship I was in and kind of push them away before they could, they could leave me, you know, because uh, I was... Afraid of rejection, you know, so I was figuring my mom didn't love me, why would they? You know, so that's what, so I would push them away with, uh, which is more like a, a mental abuse kind of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. That's so amazing. That is, I, I well, so commend you for going to get helpful. I'm, some people wouldn't even find that to be an issue. Um, that they right. wouldn't they that's wouldn't normal yeah or to admit it they wouldn't even realize it would be someone else's fault uh, if you left a relationship she did this she did that or and that's how it actually was with me I always thought it was their fault I actually went there because I felt angry all the time and by going to this class it unlocked that like I didn't even realize that childhood my mom leaving was an issue she actually helped me realize that I was just like oh I just feel angry all the time I just want to get rid of that that's actually the reason why I went, and then by going to this class and then reading and then talking about that and then realizing, like, oh, like, I didn't even realize I was doing that and why I was doing that. And so, you know, that just helped me unlock that without even realizing I, that's, what I, that's what I needed, you know. And the last woman in his life, um, he really sabotaged. He was really in love with and realized how much he mistreated her and abused her. And so now he did his work, and what, what's the reward, Josh? Well, the reward is a year ago, me and her got back together. It was the one who got away, and so I got, we kind, I kind of reached out. I said, "Hey, you know, blah blah blah. I'm going through this stuff, and I'm going, I'm going through an educational thing, uh, and to to learn and fix myself." And I just apologized. I said, "You're probably the worst person I ever treated. We dated for five years, you know, years ago, you know, and then last year, you know, she's like, I forgave you a long time ago, and we just started talking, and now we, it's coming up on a year now." And now she's in the program. Yeah, now I she joined the program. It. Yeah. Oh, yes. That is so cool. You guys, uh, this is amazing. 
we are here at he said she said on intellectualradio.com and i have with me some he's and she's who are all in the process on this journey i think we're all in the we're all in the journey of of healing learning tools to to help be the best person we can be and we're talking about arrested development that so how did you explain it at the age by the age of 14 say that again for me i think you you said it john or was that kathleen say that again for me zero to 14 years old is when your brain's developing and that's when you get those traumas are what arrest your development you can still get traumatized after 14 but those first 14 years is when it arrests your development the reason that is is because we don't have the chemicals in the brain, the serotonin, the dopamine, mm-hmm. uh, and neurotransmitters, and all the chemicals in the brain as a little child to be able to handle abuse. Right. You know, see, our God didn't create our brains to handle nothing but love. Right. To get you know, that's all we're created to handle. So, and that's where the enemy comes to destroy us. You know, because he knows. Um, and another thing I was going to say, none of this will work if you're not willing to do just like you said, lay it all on the table and take full responsibility for yourself. You can't blame anybody anymore. you got to take full responsibility for your own healing and your own recovery and parent, reparent yourself. Mm-hmm. That's all. You basically got to. It's a self-parenting yourself. class. A self-parenting class. And I'm a parent, so I'm I'm thinking of this from both ends. I'm like, yeah. I have a son that's 14. Oh boy, <laughs> like he's right at that age. Well, what's so cool is once you do the work yourself, you can go and reparent your children, no matter how old they are. That's what I found refreshing. <sighs> me too. <'cause laughs> that's This is a little frightening to me a little bit, but. I, it's good to hear that, that you can reparent yes. yourself as well as your own children. Even mm-hmm. if they're adults. Yes. You can change it. And I think it's important, though, um, it is frightening to hear that those, but that should also make, you know, how you get afraid. Oh, my God, we're going to get snowed in. You go out and you get the food and you store up and you put the gas in the car. This is the same thing. If that's frightening... Do the work. Prepare for it. Prepare <laughs> for what you need to do. And uh, I think with with the children, there's a lot of things that go on pre-14 that people have marked as normal. Mm-hmm. And they don't know that these things. So I think this has opened my eyes so wide to the do's and the don'ts. To where I even, I, I have a grandbaby. She just turned five months. And... I started calling her Chunky Butt real quick, and I was like, ah, I can't do that. This class made me aware that I cannot say that because that is, that is, that's doing something to her right now. Like my big head grandbaby? Yeah. You can't, I'm going to stop saying you can't, that. Right. You can't, because <laughs> then the child's going to grow up, feel some way, and not feel beautiful, not feel something because of the, you call the big or, head. And, you know, so when we call the kids, like, you a bad, something you bad. You, we're putting this in their subconscious. And they may never remember that. And they'll grow up and swear they had the best grandmother in the world. And here I was calling her Chunky Butt. And now she's wondering why she's in the bathroom vomiting up to try to lose the weight. Um, and so I think it is it is astounding the things that we do from zero to 14. Thinking we're doing the best, 
Or it's cute, or, the, or, or cute, not even or thinking about it. Or, or right. the dysfunction right. has been so normalized that we think that's okay. Um, or it's part of growing up. Yeah. Like, they would go, that's normal to be teased. Yeah. I was teased. I had a big head. So teasing yes. my granddaughter that she has a big head and that everyone telling her that her head is big like yours. And then, but how many times that I would be, what do they call it? Where self, I would say it to you first before oh. you can call me that. I know yeah, I have yeah. a big head. I know my forehead is big where you can't hurt me because I've said it myself yeah. about myself. That's common. <laughs> and so where you get these defense mechanisms. Yes, that's exactly what it is. We have the opportunity to break the generational curse in our families. That's our, I believe, our job. It is our job to break to the generational, break the generational curses. curses. He said, she said, we're yeah, going to do cycles, it. You can or the cycle, the whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Whatever you want to call them. Um, every family has it. Every, nobody's exempt. Every family's got dysfunction in it. You know, nobody's any better than anybody else, even though they might think they are, but they're not. So how so, do you get to the point of recognizing it? I think a lot of times people say, like, do you have to hit this rock bottom or get to the pain? Do you have to get to the pain or can you start now? Do you have to get to this rock bottom it's up to you. Place? Yeah, I was going to say that is a personal decision. Now, if you wait till you get to rock bottom, that's on you. Uh, but there's a lot of people out here, like the pseudo, the they're fake woke. Mm -hmm. And they're walking around and they're like, you know, I'm, I'm working my job. And it's, and it's like there's some dysfunction in that of you just bragging about your job and you not needing anyone. And it's kind of... Uh, what I was saying when you and I on that one post uh, where we were talking about um, it, the question was, would you be okay if you were single, single for the rest of your life? And I don't believe anyone would be okay. I think it's a lie for anyone. And that's just because of everything that I'm learning, I don't think we were designed to be alone. We're not. And if you put in your head that you're okay, single for the rest of your life, that is coming from somewhere. That is coming from something you saw with your parents. That's something you saw from not having one of them. What you heard from the one that you did have, it's coming from somewhere. There's somewhere, and that's your defense mechanism sure. saying I'm okay sure being by myself. But that's yep. not normal. But I also, I think we have that there are people who are just not okay with being okay with themselves. And uh, that's a problem too. That's <laughs> a separate problem. That's what I say. All of these are problems. And that goes back to what John is saying. Everybody has something they need to look at a little bit deeper. But we don't know. I think what's helps what's hurting a lot of us is we don't necessarily know that trauma has become normal and normal has become trauma. And so what are some things that we would consider normal, but they're actually trauma? Mm, good question. <laughs> some examples where people then could have an aha moment yes. that, like, oh, I do that. The first half of the program, we show you what is not normal. The second half, we show you what is normal. I'll tell you what is normal before I'll tell you what's not. It's normal. It's not well. It's normal to feel good about yourself. That's normal. It's normal not to be depressed, but to have a, a sense of well-being, to love yourself, to feel confident, to feel good. Euphoria. We use the word. It's not normal to feel depressed all the time, sad every day. I just talked to a teenage girl. I did a private session with her, and she goes, 
Is it normal to feel sad every day? Is that, is that normal? No. That's coming from somewhere. And so we're going to do the work to find out where it's coming from, and I'm going to watch her brain rewire and her to come out of it. So, Josh. Yeah, and like, a, like the rock bottom thing. I think everybody has their own personal rock bottom. It may not even look that bad compared to somebody else's. So, like, for me, like I said, like, everybody thought I had a good life, you know, before that. But I was at my own little personal rock bottom where I just couldn't, couldn't take that next step forward where I was just stuck for 10 years, you know, doing the same thing over and over again. You know, the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again just to get the same result. And that's where I was at. I just couldn't get that next result. So that was my rock bottom, even though on the outside my life looked great, you know. I was, I had, you know, had a good job. I had really had pretty much no rent where I was at, you know, and I had money, you know, not like a lot, but money, you know. So I was doing good, and everybody thought I was happy. Just inside, I was just depressed. And, mm-hmm. and I thought I was where I was going to be single the rest of my life because, you know, and it's, you look back at, like, the, the family history. When my, when my mom left, my dad pretty much stayed single. So I thought that was normal. So it's going back to the family cycle yeah. of and it's trying to just change it, you know. And I think like she likes to tell us all the time, it's not your fault what happened to you, but as an adult, it's your responsibility to change it. I like that too. I'd write that down if I knew I couldn't talk and write at the same time. So I'm, I'm going to come back and write that down. I like that one. This is so important. And a lot of times to notice what isn't normal, even in your workday, when the arguments you have with people, when... Uh, I'll use myself when I have a reaction to something that someone else would find. Why am I having this reaction to this? Maybe I need to stop and think. And sometimes I can't even begin to think where I got it from. Uh, But now, now I know I probably wasn't even born. (laughs) I'm trying to remember an incident in my childhood and it could have been in my mother's womb. So I'm not going to remember that incident. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of good to know because I always go back to why. When's the first time I felt this way? Why am I feeling like I don't want gifts or I don't want this gift or I'm not worthy of this or I'm going to worry about money? Like, Mm -hmm. where did this start? And sometimes I don't know where to begin to do that work. Well, there's different things that arrest your development, different abuses. The number one deepest, most severe is rejection within the home. So you think, when was the first time that you felt rejected? What does rejection? Because I don't think I know. I would absolutely feel like I don't have a problem with rejection. When tell you me don't no, but what does that, but I may. That's a good, that's, that's a thing. good I don't question. Think I, know I told her we were going like. to get that question. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the refusal to, to be accepted. You, you don't feel accepted. In the very definition of love, rejection is the opposite of love, not hate. Love is the ultimate feeling of being accepted and wanted. Rejection is the opposite. You don't feel wanted. You know, and, and like he said, the brain can't handle. The only thing we're wired for, the way we're created for, is love. To give it and receive it. And when you don't get it, it throws everything off. And it, you go through life always struggling. So rejection isn't necessarily someone telling you no or you can't or no, no, I don't no, want. No, so, so I'll now give, that makes sense I to me. I can share where I um, am starting to put the pieces together because that's one of the things that it, this connects a lot of dots. I'm still working on some stuff, but I have connected so many dots. And so my rejection came, I, I always heard this story from my mom that, oh, my God, you used to cry all the time for your dad. I just used to just let you just sit there and cry. 
for your daddy because you were spoiled to your for your dad. You're for your daddy. And bam, there it was. It's like so. This story I've been hearing all my life, just as one of those stories, turned out to be one of those things. And so when I learned that uh, the natural uh, birthing process happens with the mom with the child and not until the child is between one and two do they really naturally bond with dad and so I use that information I'm gonna stop <laughs> yes. you just because birthing process doesn't necessarily mean the nine months then it's not when you say birthing process it's not talking about the mother giving birth no it's the birth bonding that you okay. bond with bonding. your mother it's the bonding process and so the natural bonding process happens with the mother the child and the mother and then mm -hmm. between one to two is when the bonding happens with dad and so i wanted to share that with my son because he was feeling he he said the words he felt sad with his new baby that she seems to freak out every time that he has her and so i wanted to give him that information to uh let him know don't take it personal don't feel bad just wait she's going to be upset and so on so for her not to be upset when the baby gonna want dad between one and two so I shared that with my mom and my mom was like oh no you you skipped that part you skipped that part you went straight with your dad and I said oh my god <laughs> this has been something from day one that she and like I said not to blame her or I'm I, it doesn't make me angry at her mm -hmm. she didn't know any right. better but that's what she did that and that made me feel that and then so now I I do remember being close with my dad, but was it naturally or was it become from rejection? And then when I became eleven, twelve, I felt another rejection from my dad because he didn't want me to grow up. Mm -hmm. He wanted mm -hmm. to keep me a, a a kid, a girl, a little his baby, his little princess. Yeah, I was supposed to stay that way, and then I didn't get from him. And then he brought different people in our home as his own and I felt like they were in my space. So I felt rejected and he was calling himself doing a good thing. He's helping. He's helping people. But what that looked like to me mm -hmm. and what that felt like, and I don't even know if I recognize it then, these are the pieces I am putting together now. And then I had to write a sheet of paper. What did I love and hate about my mom, my dad, myself, my ex-husband, my current husband. And all the things that I hated about my dad, that is exactly the men that I dated. So when you say, where is the rejection? And I guarantee you, whether you knew your dad or not, and don't, that's rejection in itself. You're going to feel that. You're going to want to know, where's your dad? When you go to school and everybody's talking about their dad, where's your dad? So when we get into that mundane argument on Facebook about, What's worse, the toxic mother or the absent father? They're all bad. They well, all everybody said put, the absent yeah, father yes, could not cause harm, exactly. but they weren't there. Yes, and it's like they <laughs> all have the wounds that the same wounds. The reason for the wound being there is different, but the wound is there. But I think we got we got the re, you know the rejection from the parent, but then you got to think about are you rejecting yourself? Your thoughts. Think about your thoughts. You know. What does that we, look like? We can pretty much. Give a, yeah, give yeah. an example of how you reject yourself. Negative mm -hmm. self-talk. Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. Why are you so, that was so stupid? Why would you do that? You're so dumb. You know, you, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. you know, what am I, who, who do you think you are? 
you know, there's you're too fat. You're not you're pretty fat, enough. You're ugly, you know, mm-hmm. you're not smart enough. You, you you don't know what you're talking about. You know, just all the negative self-talk mm-hmm. that we do and don't even realize we're doing it until you stop and do figure it out, do the work. So that we need to stop and think about what we're thinking about. Yes. Yeah. I think. So, oh, go ahead. I think we're touching on we're touching on some important subjects. I would love for us to dive a little bit deeper into this. What are some of the things that we do normally in today's society that we feel is okay, but really it traumatizes whether it's our spouse or our children? And so you mentioned the 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 conversation that we keep having in the he said she said group about what's what's worse, the toxic mother or the absent father. The reason that question keeps coming up is because we think it's normal mm-hmm. for dad to be absent. Yes. Right. right. And I don't think people really understand that that is trauma. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is trauma to the child and it is trauma to the parent mm-hmm. who is left to rear the child without mm-hmm. the second person. Mm-hmm. Which creates like a snowball effect. Seriously. You know, dads are just as important as moms in a child's life, which I don't think that most people really understand that fully. They don't. Um, but, you know, you don't want an abusive dad in the home either or an abusive mom. They're both bad. But not having one, because one of, I can go through, there were tons of comments on this particular post of how many people, men and women, agree that not having them there was okay. They weren't necessarily harming because they weren't there. And that the mom, as it, uh, the mom, not that they could be both, but that a toxic mother is always going to be there. The mother's always going to be in your life, but the dad not being there had no, no effect of on their lives. Is what negative. They, yeah, they, it was they the, think absence or abandonment is normal. Is normal. Yes. Mm. So, and that is what you, you mentioned some of the most difficult trauma is rejection. So when you leave or exit a child's life, they feel two things, abandonment and rejection. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's Whether right. they've ever met you or not. Or no. See, there's other things. That's the thing. They, once again, something they, they still think it was their fault, mm-hmm. some kind of yeah. way. They still think it was their fault. Mm-hmm. Like that's why when you go through divorce and they talk to the children all the time and they you're trying mm-hmm. to convince the mm-hmm. children and the children want to know what did they do what can they do to keep mommy and daddy together so if they feel like if they fall out on the floor and the both of you come to rescue then they're going to keep falling out on the floor because they think this is what or if they're going to cry I'm having something at school to bring mom and dad to school because they think that they can fix it because they think they broke it so it's um yeah yeah for me I don't think any of them's worse than the other one because now because, like, for me, it was the opposite. My mom took off. My dad was there. You know, so exactly. I had, and I don't think any of them was worse than the other uh, as far as which one's worse, the abandoned parent versus the, you know. Toxic the, one. The toxic one because Abusive. now the other one's trying to make up for that one, so it almost snowballs it to worse, like we were saying, it now because they're trying to make up for both parents. Where, like, my mom took off on me and my dad, I mean, grew up. Like the, we were talking about, the man didn't have the emotions, so I didn't get that motherly love growing up. So I didn't know how to show emotion because I didn't even get that, you know. So mm-hmm. so I don't really think, like, 
like I said, I don't think it's one's worse than the other. I think they're both equally mm-hmm. bad right. because the other one tries to make up for the other parent not being there, right. but they can't. Right. And, and right. kids create, right. humans create coping mechanisms yes. early. Yes. And the coping mechanisms are, is it's where toxic behavior starts. Because you're you're trying to cope with the pain that you feel that is indescribable, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. Well, from zero to 14, children take 100% responsibility for all losses in their life. Josh can verify, you know, what did I do when you're a little boy? What did I do to make mommy go away? Yeah, what did I do to make Because I was the youngest one. So, so I was the last one to come around. So I felt it was my fault mom left because Always. everything was good until I came around. Mm-hmm. So I took responsibility on that. And then mm-hmm. growing up, I mm-hmm. think it was, to me, like it was even weirder for me because, yeah, I did have a lot of friends where their dad wasn't around, but it was barely any that had no moms around. Yes. The only people that really didn't have moms around were their parent passed away. So so to me, it felt even more odd and more out of place. So I felt even alienated from people even more. Right. Know. So this is very validating when you come in, you realize you think there's something wrong with you and you think you're defective and you think you're not enough and you're not good enough. And, you know, rejection acts as an umbrella to all the abuses, whether it's sexual, physical, emotional abuse. You, rejection, but rejection, you can have rejection without ever being molested or incested or physically abused or emotionally abused. You can have just rejection alone is the deepest of the wounds. But if you have the other ones, you got rejection too. So we get healed and we tell them, we, we, I have kids who have been adopted from birth. They don't even remember their birth mother. What did I do to make my mommy want to give me away? And I have this wonderful parent, but in their brain, they didn't get that bonding at birth. And so they feel rejection. The rejection comes through the womb. It comes through the umbilical cord. And they're born with that sense of rejection. And so we have to tell them, I have to tell them every time they come to class, it's not your fault. And so at the end of graduation, I said, what did you get out of this? She finally said it out of Roma. It's not my fault. You know, she can just tell herself that every day as the issues come up. That's such a powerful tool Mm -hmm. because those are the things you need to have with you when you leave out of the class to be able to help. Because you're constantly going to have these things come up. And that's the only thing. See, you're left with this high adrenaline when you get traumatized. That's where you start going up and down, these crazy adrenaline and anger issues and whatever issues, you know, just depression or stress. Adrenaline is the worst chemical, is the strongest chemical in the brain. And so when you, the only thing that lowers it, no amount of medication can lower it. Yeah, you might need medication for this and that, but the only thing that's going to bring down that adrenaline is knowledge assimilated, applied, doing the work, getting the knowledge that will empower you to change the rest of your life. Once you get the knowledge, it says, oh, it wasn't me, it's not my fault. You figure it out, you can forgive your parents, you can forgive whoever hurt you, you can forgive your abuser, and you can let go and you can move on and grow and mature, which is a miracle, the miracle of growing and maturing. And most people don't know how to do it, they need the tools. We give them the the skills and to get control of their life and create the life that you want and that you deserve. And, and every area of your life, every area, not just one. I think we sometimes only think of, of relationships, man, woman, but work, like you say, your workplace, how you handle the people you work with differently when you're coming 
from a different place. It really can change every single relationship you have when yes. you come differently to the relationship. It's changed me as a mother. I've I've gone back and reparent my daughter, and I continue to, and now she's having a baby, and I'm going to be a grandma for the first time, and I'm just so like, wow. I, I know just how to put in that little brain and that little heart the truth of who they really are. So Say more about that. So what are some of the things, what are some of the truths that we should be pouring into our young ones so that when, mm. when, when our audience has young ones, mm -hmm. they can know what type of truths to pour into them or how to go back and reparent? Mm -hmm. First thing you got to do is reparent yourself. You can't give what you don't got. You won't. You won't be able to. You can say, I am not going to be like my mom. I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm going to do it differently. And you might be doing it differently, but in the same. Just like them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you got to do the work. That's the best thing you can do for your kids. You know, Josh is now helping his girlfriend raise her little boy. And he's got these skills that he never had before. And it's just, it's, a, it's amazing to see him be able to, you know, it's, I think it's the it's the affirmations. It's yes. the things that validate, we are supposed them. to tell ourselves. Give an example of validating um, affirmation. I am smart. I am worthy. I am valuable. Yeah, I have a sheet full of I'm them. I, 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 I was stuck and I had to pick the hardest ones for me. And one that people, I think, were most shocked that's the hardest for me was to say that I was beautiful inside and out. And... I met this even just for three months in, I connected to dots why I didn't feel and I still struggle. I still struggle. Uh, I have my days where I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm but on the inside, I didn't feel it. Um, and so I was always confused at the attention that I got because I'm like, why? And then I connected the dots that looking this way brought me trauma i had men and i and and i'm i'm i'm, I'm doing my vulnerable thing here because mm -hmm. these are the things i haven't even shared with my parents okay i've had two different men grown men kiss me okay i lost my virginity to someone at a young age and he was 18 i was like 11 12. and so people that i would meet would already prejudge me and so this pretty, that ain't what pretty equal to me. So And so I didn't see that, and I still struggle to this day. I am working on that. I am still working on that. And so these affirmations that you have to tell yourself that you're smart, because I've seen the reverse. I've seen people tell you, oh, you, you, you can't get this. And you, uh, when you're working with your kids with their homework and your frustration, you're telling them they're not smart. They can't get it. And then when you look up and they're grown and they won't go after things because that has been put in their head. You don't have to say you're dumb, but everything you did said you're dumb. Uh, when you're when they come home and, and they're getting whoopings for the grades and, and you're yelling at them while you're doing homework, th that's what we think is normal. Yes. For yes. an example yes. of, That's a of great that, example. you know, of what we think is normal. We think it's normal to just keep going through these relationships. And then we always say, why do I attract the same guy? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's not normal. Mm -hmm. Is there something it's it, we always say it's not them. It's you mm -hmm. and you're you're pulling 
toward your dysfunction, which is what I was doing. So I saw my father in an authoritative state. What he said went, you know, when he said, underlay, snap his finger, we knew to get up and move or whatever. And who did I marry? Somebody who went upside my head, who wanted me to do what he said. I couldn't look this way to where there was another way that the, I pretty down. I took down. So I would not really want to do my hair. I didn't want to do any of this because I didn't want anybody to look at me because I had to mm. go home and, and explain that to him. Mm. Why? And so instead of him approaching the man who he felt was out of line, I had to. And I didn't have any answers because I didn't do anything. So now I'm like, oh, and, you know, and then I'm getting physically abused. So all of those things are what we think is normal, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and they're not. So uh, for Back to the main question of the kid, it's those affirmations. Tell your child they're yes, beautiful. Yes. Tell them that they're worthy. Tell them that they're smart. Tell them all of this. Tell them they are enough. So we had the one post that where the it was an anonymous post, and the parent was constantly rewarding the child with the good grades, and then was wondering now what are they doing wrong? Yeah, you're 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 wounding both of them because you're making. Explain. I didn't read. Okay, that. so there and was I, a post. Who didn't see there it. was a post where the um, posters wanted to be anonymous, and they were giving a scenario of the two children that they have. One of them excels very well in school, and they reward them with money and all this stuff. And then yet they have the one that's not come bringing those A's home, and they wanted to know, are they doing anything wrong by not? doing anything and rewarding the and it's like yeah you are you're doing both, both of them an injustice mm -hmm. you're teaching the the first one that they should be rewarded for things that they should be doing and they're going to always look for that and then the other one you're showing them they're not good enough right they're not smart enough instead of finding what that child's talent is if you want to do rewards reward them for what they're both good at and know that they're different and that they're both worthy and but we think that's normal. That goes on in so many households where we mm -hmm. pay you right. so many dollars for your A's. And if you didn't bring home the mm -hmm. A's, what is wrong with you? Because your brother was able to do it. This the same work. What are you doing? And so that's another example mm -hmm. of that's what we think is examples. normal. Great example. Great yeah. example. They need to know they are not a grade, that they are a worthy person aside from their grade. And that's one of the first thing on our IMs. All right, I call it the I am list. Whatever you attach to the words I am, you become. Those are the two most powerful words in the universe. Started in the very, very beginning of the Bible. And God said, I am that I am. And he, he wants us to know. know our I ams. So what you were describing, Valencia, was judgment. Yeah. Yes. Do not judge your children. Mm -hmm. Right. Or teach them not to judge. And not to judge themselves. You know, we don't have to have an opinion. But we all have one, right? I know for me that I'm a I judge myself so harshly. That's the worst. that I that is why I am judgmental on other things. That's I judge right. myself to the highest amount of judgment. Do you know that what, is? Do you know what the highest form of intelligence is? No. Intelligence is no. To look at yourself without judgment. judgment. Observe yourself observe without any. Your life. Observe yourself. Don't judge yourself, because if you judge yourself, your brain gets locked up, and you can't do anything about it. How do you do that? I guess we'd have to come you to look this. look at yourself. <laughs> yeah, come to the it's class. A whole another show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're tuned in to He Said, She Said. <laughs> Judgment, I believe, is the number one killer of the soul. Oh, then that would yeah. be my number one killer, because yeah. that, that is that of the soul. It, it ages you. It ages you. It 
destroys you physically and emotionally. Yes. It, it's when I started to when realize you judge yourself, you're judging everybody else too. That's you can't help it because that's how you think it's normal. You know, I, it, I, that hit me from an experience with my children when my children didn't want to tell me something, but they told their father and they told their, and I was like, why wouldn't they want to tell me? I'm not a, and then, um, why, why did she come to me with this? And why did she come to her dad with this? And why does everybody not mm -hmm. tell me? And I had to, when I started to think about it, I'm like, because they think out, I was like, but I'm not judgmental. But then I thought, what do you really think that's, about what, what she's doing? Though? What do you really think about it? it you that's good that say you did that, that self-observation. <laughs> you were observing yourself. And that's the self-rejection we were also talking mm -hmm. about earlier. You know, that's rejecting yourself is by judging yourself, you know? Yes. I never thought of rejection the way you guys are using the term yeah. rejection mm -hmm. yeah. until you're saying that. Because now I could go back and say all the things where my parents did to reject me. But I would have absolutely not thought that was rejection because yeah. it wasn't yeah. uh i feel very loving parents i'm not mm -hmm. but at the same time their best or what they knew how to they do didn't know. they didn't know no and i absolutely know that I but at, i never thought of it as rejection mm -hmm. i look at rejection as poison uh, and i look at judgment as poison you know you wouldn't eat poison would you no we wouldn't go out and eat poison so don't poison ourselves or others with judgments, but that's the number one problem in the world today is we live in a religious, judgmental world. You know, it's, you know, most religions are judgment. I, mean, I had a religion I grew up in. That was horrible. But isn't Judge that with his trauma? I don't know. But see, no, we're not. We're not talking about a relationship. He's talking about a religion. Religion. Yes. Yeah. So it's it. This is critical. I think. When you, as we hit these these points, showing that giving new language for what rejection is mm -hmm. is critical because it, new language gives you new tools, mm -hmm. new tools gives you new processes. That's critical. And religion, not relationship, not, not but religion is one of the most is one of the areas that we must protect our children from. Mm, yes, because being under the wrong teaching. Mm -hmm puts them under rejection every week. Yes. And then when you attach God's name to it? Yes, you're yes, and that that is that is it doesn't get any more confusing than that. Yeah. Because you're saying the right. one who created you to be the way you are is rejecting you. Mm. That's right. Growing up God is not the same God today to me as he was growing up. You know, God is he he he's lo he loves us. He loves everybody. He's not mean. He's, he's not, not judging. He's us. not judging me. He's not judging anybody. But that's what that's we're taught. What we're taught. This is to. it's hard for people to realize yes. that, and this is why people become atheists or agnostic because they're yes. saying this can't be the loving God. This that's can't right. be right. You're saying the one who created me yes. to be me does not like me. Yes, very good. How do I how do I rectify that? How do I reconcile that? Well, God, breaking out. You got to rebel. 
You have to yeah. rebel. The only time you can <laughs> do is if you're you have no choice but to rebel. <laughs> so how does that look though for the person who's married to their church and married to what their pastor says and married to what your oh, he I got, yeah, I got he broke out. I broke out. You. Though yeah. she <laughs> said it earlier, you literally have to get to a place where you say, "I don't know anything." Mm-hmm. Yes. Everything I thought I knew, I'm throwing in a garbage can, yeah. and I'm going yes. to start over. And I did you that. Have to yeah, I did too. Yes, you have yeah. to clear off the table. Just yes, like the yes. Everything yes. I thought Clean I knew, I got to throw in the garbage. Put in there is God is love. Yes. And everything's got to be centered and filtered through that. Yes. Through the lens that God is love. That yes. God is love. There's the lens. There's no judgment. And then, God. and then you got different definitions of love. Right. But God's love is unconditional. Right. It, and and it's a very close emotional acceptance and feeling ultimately to feel accepted by god exactly and that and when we start there then you can give that kind of love to someone else that's right well he's our daddy he's our daddy Mm -hmm. you know and he loves us there's he will not reject anybody Maybe our earthly daddy or earthly mom rejected us. He'll never reject us. So many people, the reason we don't put chapter and verse in this program, we don't make it a, you know, it's not a prayer meeting. It's not a Bible study. It is you coming to do your work on your soul. And because a lot of people come in hurt by churches, hurt by religion. And then you got the people who come in mostly the abusive and this was way back, you know, men were taught, you know, you submit and they abused religiously, scripturally abused. And so we don't let them come in there with their Bible breath. You got to you got to do your work on your. I, I'm going to use that <laughs> Bible breath. Yeah. <laughs> and see and what Kathleen said, Kathleen is also you have something in common, life coaches and pastors. Mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. knows the the word and so she can yes. battle people who use that as I, their defense. I, I, I welcome that. Yes. And so and 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 I grew up uh my my father was a pastor at one point and then he set the family down and he says just like you would sit your family down and tell them that the parents were gonna divorce and he says, We're leaving the church. We're we're leaving it. So you're gonna see some cussing and some smoking and some drinking and we was like what you know <laughs> just took your world and flipped it all upside and, down yeah and it just was like okay so that to this but then when we were in it it was like seven days a week twice on sunday the, the food went in the crock pot so we can come home and eat go back for the night service da, da, da. so i didn't raise my kids anywhere near the church i did not go there so what you just said what mm-hmm. and i need other i it, pastors if you're watching this show i need you to understand this requiring or even asking for your members to be there seven days a week, twice a week, is traumatic. Because where do I go home and be who God called me to be? Where do I take care of my home? Mm-hmm. Ask, mm-hmm. I had to tell, I had a church I left, I told the man, I said, wait, let me get this straight. That's Monday, that's <laughs> Monday through Sunday. <laughs> Well, see what you guys, codependent leaders draw codependent people. Mm. I know this. Codependent mm. leaders Shit, that's draw a codependent people. Uh, I was one of them. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Shondo moment. You know, you, when you're codependent, you're looking for someone 
a man of God, especially, to show you what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. And you're looking for him to say, here's your opportunity. I waited for so many years. It's like, wait a minute. I can hear from God myself. Myself. And I broke. I had to break the codependency. But see, codependent leaders, they drop men to themselves because they need to get healed of mm. their childhood wounds. Yeah, absolutely. And they some, some of their reasons for going into the church and leadership mm. is because of their childhood wounds and they're covering it up or they're trying to be healed and they're not. And so now they got a whole bunch of people who are codependent on them and that makes them feel, feel like good. good. Yes. But no, a good, healthy, mature leader will take your hand and put it in the hand of Jesus. And get out of the way. And get out of the way and not try to say, you got to come to me to get help. No, you got to go get your help from your creator, from your, your I am uh, trying not to say, mm-hmm. Good <laughs> God. I noticed it. So, <laughs> thank you guys. You're tuned in to He Said, She Said on IntellectualRadio.com. We've been talking about arrested development. And thank you, all the people who are chiming in. Ella Marie, I see you have tons of comments. You've been hanging in there with us. We so appreciate That's it. That's my sissy. <laughs> she said, love you, Valencia. And uh, thank you for chiming in. We so appreciate you. We've been talking about arrested development. And, and I, I know where James is going with his question. Because I do want to walk away with getting... Um, tying ourselves to this conversation okay. it seems like we're having a conversation but how do we bring in and the, to regular folks to right re- okay to, uh, bring this conversation yeah. into that realm of of not just yeah of uh, the thing yeah so i i and, and i spoke kathy i told her, i said this is this is what they're going to want to know they want to they want us to break it down like all the mm-hmm. way down like right, so right. the person that's sitting at home saying hmm, i had a guy i don't know what they talking about that ain't me so <laughs> let's talk about anger uh, what I have learned is that if you want to know, are you arrested in your development? How do you act when you're angry? And if you think about and compare your actions, it will think about a kid. So go all the way down to a baby when they're angry. They cry. Cry, cry, cry. Why, why, why? Do you, every scream. time you get angry, do you go into these extreme cries? You're really young in your development. Uh, do you throw things on the floor? Think about the two-year-old sitting in the high chair to dunk, you know, trying to get your name, throw the hot dogs off because you didn't put the ketchup on there. You're acting like a two-year-old, and, and you're not acting like it. That's where you are. Um, do you hit? Do you fight when you get angry? You're, you're arrested in your development as a child because they don't know how to say what's wrong with them, and so that's what they do. And so if you do any of those things when you're angry other than have a clear concise conversation without all the dirty words and the name calling below the belt. and hitting <laughs> below the belt if you do any of that you are arrested in your development you need to go back and find out why did your parents do that did your did, did your dad do that did your mom do that is that what you learned from the hood where did you learn it from you learned it from somewhere so that that would be one of the big ones i think um how you respond when you're angry yeah for me mine was the temper tantrum and that's how i looked at myself and that's why i knew i needed help and i was just like i felt like a toddler throwing a temper tantrum you know and like and i thought that was kind of normal like when you what's what do we do that's normal that isn't normal and that was it that was i thought my getting angry and being verbal and i you know i i hit walls i you know hit doors broke stuff like that you know but I thought it was normal I wasn't bad because I wasn't hitting her or I wasn't hitting them. So I was like, oh, I'm not that bad. 
But then I just kind of sat back and realized that, you know, I felt like the toddler, like you said. And that's where I was, like, definitely arrested in my development because it's like I can't get past that. And, you know, and Kathleen gave me the words and the tools to use to actually have a have a disagreement with somebody and actually treat it like an adult and have a conversation. And so not what do you do now? Yell. What do you do? Well, that's so, a good question. Okay, so now I can sit back. And there's nothing wrong with taking, like she says, like a timeout. Mm-hmm. Letting your anger get down, so that way you can actually sit there and realize it. I will go to those the word sheet that she said and find out how actually how I'm feeling instead of just angry, mm-hmm. you know. And if I'm feeling like it, if I'm, you know, you know, again, like I'm still you yes, know, trying to get in touch with the word, irritated, yeah, resentful. Ir- are yeah. you disgusted? Are you furious? Are you, feeling are you annoyed? Like that, making yes. you want to like have that. So it's like, and then telling, giving me the techniques to. Do a clean fight and just talk and just saying like this a is clean how it, fight. a clean yeah, this, fight. Just tell them how you feel and why you feel that way. And sometimes you're just you're just reading the situation wrong. And it had nothing. They didn't have anything to do with that. What made you mad? What they said made you mad. Wasn't even what they intended to say. Right. You made yourself mad. Yeah. You made yourself yeah, mad. Yeah. You exactly. made yourself right. mad because there is this mm-hmm. whole conversation that didn't happen and you made the story up and you yes. filled in the blanks. Well, I don't don't gloss over that. Okay. That is extremely important. Mm-hmm. You made yourself mad. Yes. Because of the story you created. Yes. Which you hit somebody hit perception. a trigger, yes. a perception, perception. Yes. right? And it hit something you were traumatized yes. by younger. Yes. And you went back to the story you told yourself when you were whatever age you were arrested. Yes. And that is what you built your story around. Mm-hmm. Because most of us here's if you don't get past the five-year-old trauma, you stay at that age mm-hmm. emotionally mm-hmm. until you get over the hurdle. Absolutely. And then you still got to go to six, yes, seven. Yes, yes. Hey, you don't go from five gotta, to 40. Oh, yes. you, I can't you don't go, right? <laughs> you don't go from well, five to 40. We, we use the Eric Erickson, to... you know, the psychologist Eric mm-hmm. Erickson. He gives, there's eight stages in our life. And the first stages is what we go back because those are the ones that you can get arrested in your development. So we put back into your brain what you didn't get those first stages of your life, those first five as a baby, toddler, little girl, little boy up till 14, just about. And that restarts the growing process. You start doing it and, and you start to mature. And so it, you go right, you catch up. So now in the A stage, the last stage of your life, you're supposed to die in dignity and wisdom. That's what the virtue you're supposed to have. And so if you don't, you will die. And how many people do we know? They die in despair. And so that's why we need to do the work. And Eric Erickson figured out the stages of what you're supposed to get at each stage of your life. And the very first stage of your life as a baby, if you don't get the, the, your needs met and you don't remember, but you, one of the symptoms is you have trust issues. Absolutely. That's the first true that's supposed to be created in that first stage is trust. Share more about what no. that looks like getting a baby's needs met. Oh, well, you got, you know, it could be just physical needs, fed, changed. When hers was crying, when uh-huh. a baby cries, you don't let them cry for for. That's what I needed you to say. Yes. Because in our community, we're taught let, let the cry. baby cry. Never if right. you pick the baby around. up, you're spoiling, spoiling the yes. baby. Yes. Yes. But what you're doing right. is you're teaching the baby that your needs are not important. Yes. That's a need. They're crying for a reason. Yes. Yes. Right. And I, I'll give another example. Um, I had an issue with 
sharing with my partner my money and having them control the money. And this is recently a, another connected dot. My mom didn't work. My dad worked. And so because he, he, he paid the cost to be the boss. And I would not let anybody like, no, I'm working. You're not touching my money. Like, I'm not telling you anything. And, and it, it was an issue, but I didn't care. I was like, I'm not. No. <laughs> I know. And I, even though I still uh, wound up in an abusive marriage, I still didn't let him touch my bank account. Um, and then I got in another relationship. He was like, yeah, I got uh, $433.26 in my account. And I used to be like, oh. Okay, that's good. He's like, why won't you tell me what's in your, not your business, you know? I got, you know. And then when I got with my husband, he was he's this budget person. He's this, and I was like, and I released everything over to him, and I was so I was like, okay. And I used to have to tell him, okay, I'm having an attack because this feels like control. It feels like feels like I'm you're trying to control me, and I had to communicate, get past that, and 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 I had to realize he was not my dad. Yeah, he was not. My ex-husband that was abusing me and mm -hmm. wanted to control mm -hmm. me. And right. those language. things look alike. Mm -hmm. But because you've seen it, you attach it to the negative, And this is how we push people away that didn't have the same intent as what we went through. Because we it looks the same. reality checks. And then you, you learn to give them to yourself when you come away with this. But you just said something so powerful. Mm -hmm. It's how you push people away who don't have the same intent, which is why I tell my clients you don't you can't judge actions. Mm -hmm. You must judge intent because two people can do the exact same action and you might judge the action the exact same way. And they had two completely different intents. Mm -hmm. And the only judgment, the only reason that you're judging it that way is your own trauma and yes. your own you trace story. your triggers. You trace yes. your triggers. Yes. And anger, anger is always a secondary emotion to a primary feeling. Say that again. Anger is always a secondary emotion to a primary feeling. We got to go underneath the anger to find out what you're really feeling when you're angry. Like he said, he got the feeling where he was angry because he was feeling rejected or he's angry because he's feeling inadequate. And I'm starting to think of as we talk about this, a lot of times the one word that we say we're feeling, there's an underneath to all of them. I mean, whether I'm feeling unhappy, the one woman said in her and the, what kind she, of unhappy? What exactly. right? We we get down to the yes to really precisely say how we feel. Yeah. How, unless it, you it brings ask down those your questions, when a lot of that. us don't know the answer to that. Exactly. When you say we what kind of unhappy, yeah. I, the first response is almost always, huh? Right. Because the brain can't find the word. Right. Or they start dictate saying what other people are doing. So yeah. well, why am I happy? They, they're explaining this, the situation. He yeah. start explaining some situation. Yes. Versus really what the tracing your trigger. Mm -hmm. And I think that is uh, something I like trigger, for people to do. 98% of our triggers are coming from two places. Unmet expectations and faulty perceptions. Those two. Unmet expectations and faulty perceptions. You're, you're perceiving it because her father did that to her. So she perceived every man to do that to her. And so she d developed what we call a life commandment that we got from Dr. John Savage, who's still living, but he's retired. But he came up with that term, which is, to put it today, for everybody to understand, it's just a belief. You get a deep core belief from the traumas that you grew up with. And you can grow up with a, a you know, a life commandment or a belief that um, never get married. 
there's one. Some people get that one because of what they grew up with. You were, that's the first thing she talked about was that caller that said they're never going to get married and they want to stay single. The trauma probably is they grew up with watching some her parents in a not-so-good relationship. And so she developed a life command or a belief that, you know, don't get married. Or a lot of men have that because they're taught that from other men or their fathers don't ever get married sometimes. Yes, the ball and chain thing. Yes. And, and some yeah. women were brought up with beliefs or life commandments that men only want one thing. And that's not all men. Uh, so unmet expectations and the other one was... Faulty per perceptions. Faulty perceptions. When you're arrested in development... You have faulty perceptions. Yes. Period. Oh, for yep. sure. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so we so all have them, basically. We all have, we faulty, all have perceptions. faulty perceptions. Yes. <laughs> I, I like to call them warped. Our warped, perceptions yeah. are warped. Skewed. Yeah. Warped. <laughs> and then another thing I wanted to say is, you know, she touched on anger. You know, I don't want to leave people thinking, and that's what we've been taught. Religion teaches anger's bad. Right. Um, anger is a good thing. Mm-hmm. You don't want to hit, you don't want to hurt people, but anger is a barometer for what's going on. Inside. Inside of you. It's important to know all emotions mm -hmm. are good. Yes. It's what you do with those emotions that, are, that, that, that makes it bad. That makes it bad. Or, right. Mm -hmm. The worst, the worst, the worst thing you can do, the most debilitating thing you can do is to stuff these emotions. It's to stuff them. Yeah. And that is what Suppress. most of us do yeah. we either stuff them or sedate them yeah. right most yes. people will tell you to do that though they will they will back to the church the church doesn't know what to do with emotions right they don't know what to do with sexuality so they just just don't do it don't, don't do it sex and don't feel don't faith, feel. faith is just obey your faith is a feeling because faith works it's released by feeling feeling loved yes. and that's in the bible yes. but yet they didn't know what to do with it so I learned the art of suppression from the church. The church. I so did I. They tell you don't feel. And then you realize once you throw everything that you learned on the table and throw it in the garbage, then you realize, wait a minute, I'm supposed to feel. And then I need to embrace the way I feel. And now I need to communicate how I feel. And then you can release it. Then you can release it. I, I, commonly said in our the group he says she said join it on facebook we have some of these same conversations well a little bit looser in the group yeah the, uh in the group but uh well where was i going oh it's commonly said uh the not feeling or giving that advice to i think i'm often given the advice let it go Right, and you go well. I can't let it go. It's like it's you can't let it go until you feel it. Embrace <laughs> it and let it go and, and express it. Feelings have to have an outlet. Yes. Eventually, they will erupt into destructive anger if you don't. We, uh, a good friend of mine, gave me this analogy, and I now give it to the people I work with. It's like a balloon. If you if you blow a balloon up, and just keep putting air in it, eventually it's going to explode. Mm -hmm. If That's you right. don't let some of the air out at, at some way somehow. Mm -hmm. Eventually, the balloon will pop. The the problem is people don't feel safe enough to to express. I'm so what glad you went back to that. Yeah. Because I think it's important for us to know how, especially the men around this table, what does safe look like? Look like. Yes. Mm. 
Good question. What does safe look like to you? It's not always that's not always just being safe. It's sometimes we don't have the tools to know how to handle it either. Right. Because like, I, I didn't know how to besides just pop. I mean, that was it. It was stuff until I popped. <laughs> I didn't have the tools and I didn't have the knowledge to actually release that air like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and that's I think that's a big part, too. Mm. But, but so once but yeah, you know, how did what what did how when you come to Kathleen's classes, what point did you feel safe? What did mm. that look like? And then carry it home because everybody's yes. not in Kathleen's class. So home. at home, right. tell because we get this a lot in our group. The woman needs to be their peace, and if he doesn't feel like he won't open up to you, what does safe environment at home look like look or to feel like, you yeah. guys? First, she has to feel safe. Before he goes home. Okay, so we create that mm. safe atmosphere. So safety starts we, from we, within? From, from we give the permission. This is your time. This is your, we're, we give you a voice. It takes him a while. But <coughs> I, we make it so safe. You, you can swear. You can vent. You can say whatever you want. No one here. You can't do this at home. No hurt no, feelings. No, 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 you can say here what you can't say at home. Yes. That's what people don't understand. It's okay. It's okay. You can swear. You can curse. It's you're free to be you. The only thing that you can't do is abuse. You can't slap me or hit me, but you can, or call people names, but you can vent and swear. And we get, the women are worse because, <laughs> because they're trying to be that perfect mother, that perfect wife, and, yeah. and that perfect Christian. And so they don't know. And the F word is, that comes from someone who says that a lot. And we had one guy, he never said it at home because it was a sin. But in the class, he could hardly talk without it. But he was totally shut down at home. And so as he heals, see, that's the brain letting you know your trauma was before the age of language and you can't find the word. So it's just like after this, after that. We let him. Hey, that's where he's at right now. That's where you. So that safe. is one that's of the safe. things that help people feel safe. Yes. Wherever I am is where I am. Yes. So no just judgment. Let me be where I am. Right. So so don't. Oh, I, uh, that takes me to something that I learned from one of the um, uh, sessions with Kathleen. When we go into having the man cheat and when we say, oh, it's the ego and everything, and Kathleen was like, no, it's not the ego because, you know, I was one big, uh, it's the male ego. And she was like, no, it's not the ego. And I think that safe um, place is taken away from the man when women go into a natural mothering. And so she explained is that it's not necessarily their ego. It's even subconsciously that they are turned off from you sexually because you have stepped into a mother role. And because of that, they know they're not supposed to get intimate with their mom. And so the intimacy stops and then they seek that elsewhere. So this made me because I was one big like, no, he cannot love you and go sleep with somebody else. You know, that was why you go. We can fight to the mom on this. And I was like, wow, so maybe they can. And it's that you stepped into the wrong space. And so now when you have stepped into that space, and some of them will put you there. Yes. They will put you there because yes. they're wounds and they need that mothering. And then it still, it backfires they, on, on them as well. And, 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 and you, they put you there. It's and a double bind. Yes. Yes. Nobody knows what's going on. You know, you got the. Him going to a father role, she goes to a mother role, and then they end up both children. Uh, and yes. rear, you know, and nothing gets resolved. 
I think from some of the space, the safe space for me is just knowing that conflict is okay. Yes. It's okay to have conflict. It's just knowing how to do it in a healthy way. I That's like that. Critical. That's good. That's critical. I like that, that because is good. That is good. then it's not put on, oh, she won't, or uh, how she comes to me, makes me feel unsafe, or how she talks. If you know that what we're about to do is get to the point of intimacy, but ha- resolving this conflict, you're not afraid. You've created the safe space for mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. I like that. Any place right. you go, you're about to resolve a conflict. It's, right. It will lead you to a place of intimacy and you're not going into it with a fear or, or exactly. anger or I like that. That the, the person, end is going to be abandonment or it, they'll yes. abandon me and that we'll break that, up and we talk about perce- it. That was in yes. his perception mm-hmm. from his. And his the person avoiding the conflict the most is the one who needs it the most. Yeah. yeah. All, almost always the one avoiding the, co- because it turns into a the coping mechanism that we use after we have decided to avoid conflict is passive aggressiveness. Almost always. Passive, aggressive, aggressive, or just passive, which are all very unhealthy ways. All unhealthy. To communicate. So the only the healthy more, way. The more conflicts you can resolve, the stronger you can become. And I, I encourage guys, go for the conflict. Mm-hmm. Go toward it. Don't walk away from it. You got guys running from your comment, let alone conflict. Lean into it. Lean into into it heavy. Well, first first we do first we do anger management. We do an anger management for five weeks before we tell them that because some people don't know how to have an argument without abusing, and abuse is not okay. And we define that we do not minimize or trivialize abuse. And you talk about normal and what's not normal. People have normalized what is really abusive. When I went through my abuse wheel to see and check off, I didn't have a clear spot on the page of things (laughs) that I had been through from childhood through my relationships. And it was like, dang. I'm like, I was like, good, you're doing a good job because you should be laid on the side of the road somewhere. And it was like, whoa. It's like yeah. so it really breaks it down. And when and, and, and I discussed Give one season. example of that. Oh, um that would seem normal. Like that's not uh, a I mean uh, it's it's oh let's Because hitting I, I think we understand that abuse. Yeah, that's so obvious. We, that's obvious. But the emotional well, abuse we, we don't recognize. Abuse well, as abnormal use. One one of the worst abuses is silence. Oh mm. that is. That's mm. the and we men are good we're great at that. Yes. Men can do too. Because we can't so you know why? talk about this a lot. We, I we, know why. we cave, but we aren't supposed to. The reason silent abuse is the most destructive out of all of, there's like almost 30 of them, is because it makes her feel like she's crazy. What is wrong with me? And it totally is turned around and she comes away with it thinking, what did and, I and then do? you can't see I? it. You can't see it, and you look like the bad one. And then we go to our pastors, we go to our churches, we go to counseling, go to therapy. Well, is he hitting you? Is he doing this to you? No, no, no. I don't know what's wrong. Well, just let him be quiet. <laughs> just yeah. let him be. And then, and then sometimes we'll get well. That's what men do. That's what men do. But it's like once again, there is a man that goes quiet for timeout, and there's a man that goes quiet to. Punish, abuse you abuse. to punish mm-hmm. absolutely and it looks the same it looks the same it looks it the, feels the same. same it feels the same and it looks the same well if you're do- both doing your work like like josh and amanda you're both doing your work and and they can communicate you know what i'm taking a time out now 
and they can get a reality check because they're both. But when you only got one, how do you communicate that? If yeah. only one's doing their work. Right. I thought Everyone about that when he said that, that go to conflict. But what if you're going to conflict to someone who that's exactly doesn't right. know how? Because right. Right. that seems scary. And then, but then right. that's when you, as a person responsible and wiser, you don't make those bad choices to stay with someone that refuses right. to get themselves yes. together. Now mm-hmm. you choose healthier relationships. Mm-hmm. You don't stay longer you get, than you're supposed to stay. That was the message of so, church today. Yeah, you get so, so healthy yourself that it's not okay. Yeah. So you will draw the law of attraction. You will draw a woman into your life, a man into your life to sustain the feelings that you have of yourself. So the, yes. the deal is you do your own work. You get Say healthy. that again for so, me. Yes. You will draw someone in your life to sustain the feelings you have of about yourself. About yourself. If you feel worthless. The law of attraction happened. That's why she drew an abuser. Because she was so beaten down already in her self-esteem. You feel worthless. You're going to you're gonna draw a person in your life to make that makes you feel worthless. Because that's what's going to. Right. That's what's going to give you your euphoria. Yeah, your validation. The feeling of worthlessness, yes. mm-hmm. unfortunately. Because. I have one of the toughest things in my work is dealing with people who feel a certain way about themselves, who have somebody in their life who feels differently because this person feels like trauma. So if you feel I'm not pretty and you draw and and you have a person who feels that you are beautiful, that them telling you you're beautiful feels a little bit you feel uneasy. They're lying. That is really right, difficult. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. That is extremely difficult to navigate through. And they almost see, always end up breaking up. A man can validate his wife or his woman. You know, He, he can do that, and that will, that will help with the intimacy and the bonding. But he cannot reparent her. He can't. He can't give her what she didn't get growing up. And no. she cannot give him what he did not get growing up. And this is what we do. We both come into marriage trying to get from the other person what we didn't get growing up, and it doesn't work. Okay. You, they need to buy this show. You need to take this show and package it <laughs> and sell it. Don't even put it on YouTube. So, because that is that is powerful. You cannot yeah. reparent your spouse. Right. Yeah. And most of us who have gone through trauma, and I say of us because we all have. Yes. Most of us, we are asking our spouse to reparent. Them. Absolutely. Yes. You know, give me what I didn't give get. Me subconscious. What I didn't get. It's yes. all subconscious. And then you got young teenagers and young people. They'll go from. A woman will go from a man to a man to a man or even a woman because she's starving to get that validation she never got. And she thinks, oh, well, I'll go to a woman because now they're giving me more of the validation. Maybe that's where I should go. She at least understands me. She understands me. She's she's starving for validation. I just talked to a teenage girl the other day who um, she didn't get the birth bond. Her mom had postpartum depression, so we figured that out. She didn't get that, so she her brain's looking for that. You'll try to get, you'll try get look for that the, your whole life if you don't get it resolved. Yes. The beautiful part of our brain is it can be it can, you, it can be reparented, but you can get a surrogate mother to birth bond you, or even even if you don't have that, your brain can get it. You can still get it, even though your mother can never give it to you if she's gone or whatever, and, or if she's not going to do her work. You can still get it. Oh, that's interesting. So I had someone ask, uh, I did see it, where where can they go for these classes? And I want to uh, make sure we get that out there. And I'll put it in the comments as well. Uh, you can contact uh, 
anyone here, I shouldn't say anyone, I shouldn't speak for you guys. I know you can contact Valencia and James, but uh, Kathleen. So I like to say if you want to share or how they can, everyone's interested in the classes. Uh, and I'll start then with you, Kathleen, on how, how to get to the classes. They need to call me, make an appointment, and we do an orientation. And we'll hook them up, whether it's in a men's class, a women's class, or a private session, to find out what their needs are and what they're looking for. Some people are not ready for group dynamic, but we do like encourage we it. encourage it because it's it, it's nice to have both. But eventually, like Amanda, his girlfriend really did not want to be in a group, but she's ready now. So sometimes you got to do the private sessions first. Oh yeah, we have a Facebook page. Thank you. It is Freedom Life Center? Um, Freedom and that's Life Center's where they can get your program. Yes. Freedom Life Center on Facebook. Okay, that's uh, their business. Freedom Life page. Center Life Recovery Program. Life Recovery Program. Yes, and all the information's on there. And that's how they can reach you guys as well. If you are waiting with your pen and pencil, eight one five nine one nine two six six three is Kathleen's number. If you are ready right now with the pen, I'll repeat that eight one five nine one nine two six six three is her number. I have it in my phone, <laughs> and I'll be putting it in the comments when we get done here. Uh, so we're running short on time, so I would love to walk away with something. It seems like you guys that have all been through the program have some tool. If you could share one tool that mm. you think you use the most during a day to get you through, that, that helps you through when you're met with triggers, what what you pull out of your toolbox to help you, and I'll start with you, John. Never give up. There's hope. There's there's help, and just gotta be willing to do what we need to do to find it. And we got the tools. I we love the, it. And we got the brains. And we, got the, <laughs> we got the brains. Josh, what's one tool you use? I mean, every day I try to just push myself, just to at least keep. Keep where I'm at. If I'm only moving a tiny little bit each day to a better direction, I'm okay with that. Don't expect, don't expect you're going to move yourself a mile every day. Don't, don't put the expectations like we were saying on a high bar. Just mm -hmm. as long as, like for me, as long as I'm staying where I'm at, or if I'm just moving a hair, I'm happy for that. Awesome. Mm. That's awesome. I, uh, I think what, what I try to do is more of the almost the reverse when I feel myself in a situation with someone that would usually irritate me or agitate me I have gotten to a new sense of compassion because I know your action is coming from somewhere that I'm you paying. are yeah and you are you are not even your it's not even your fault and it's not about you that yeah is. and it's not about <laughs> me and it is not your fault and 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 I have the right though to leave you there and not deal with it um, but it has really helped me in my, because my biggest conflict issue was in the workplace. And this has helped me so much by saying, okay, I see, I see, I see where you That's got a high from. sense of self-awareness. Yes. Yes. yes, it is. I want to share sure. one of mine because yes. it just happened the other day. 
I reached out to uh, I, I, I make everybody my life coach in my life. So when I have an issue, I had an issue, I reach out to them. But I, to look at situations as a divine opportunity to heal that p- portion of my life that I'm realizing that I have conflict with. So to say, OK, well, you felt this way you wanted to. Re- but why? Why did you feel this way? Where did that come from? Because this obviously probably plays out in other places in my life and I didn't even realize it. So things can happen that you feel are a conflict, but take that time to investigate it because it may heal something else. If you So asking myself why. Always if I'm dealt with the comp to ask myself why. Why am I feeling this way? Where did that come from? Where? When was the first time I felt that way? And then reaching to find the tools of how will I, what could I do differently? Mm-hmm. And then where the intention, I think I have a really bad perceived faulty perceptions of things that mm-hmm. now you've given me the language to use in my whys. Am I being, is it an unmet expectation or I'm going to start asking myself those mm-hmm. two questions. Yes. Am mm-hmm. I, is it falling into one of these two mm-hmm. things an unmet expectation or, or perceived a faulty a faulty perception of it Mm -hmm. and so i i think if we can do things like that with ourselves so if you could share one uh, besides them coming to because we're definitely going to share your number to give you a call if you could share one tool you'd like to give out today separate the behavior from the person one of the things you just kind of mentioned yes i like that from judging but that's that's huge if because it is coming from somewhere so i use that all the time I can even help my son-in-law. I can help people in my family, my daughter. You know, I can help them because I separate their behavior from who they are. I get rid of the expectations. Get rid of the expectations. And get healed of How many times I say you got to get rid of And that you is got, people, but you know why people we struggle with that. Expectations yeah. is because our pain is down here. If your pain's at a 10, your expectation's going to be up here at a 10. And so when you get healed, your expectations naturally Go lower. Go lower. You love more and you expect less. And you expect less. Because when when you when you I love the way you put that, your your pain is high, your expectations are high. When mm-hmm. you expect from a person, what you're doing is you're pre, that's the prerequisite for judgment. Yes, it is. That is judgment. That is yeah, you are literally telling them this is the box you must fit into. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately I might not be that person. Mm-hmm. I cannot, I'm not responsible for being Mm -hmm. who you thought I would be in Mm -hmm. your head. And we do this to our children. Yes. I do it to myself, which then makes me do it to my children too. Because we don't want them to, in in our reasoning of our mind, our our perception, we're saying, I don't want them to end up like me. So you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to get good grades. And we're judging them. Judging them hard. Yeah. And that is traumatic. We're hurting them. We're traumatizing them. That is traumatic. We're traumatizing them. Yeah. I'll share a quick story. My son, the 16-year-old, has been a basketball star since he can pick up a basketball. And he came to me three years ago and he said, Dad, I don't want to play basketball anymore. And I thought, keep going. Let's go, buddy. You're not a quitter. Push through it. We're not quitters. You must keep going. Okay. He played. And you could tell he wasn't having, he wasn't enjoying it. So Mm. the second year, he came to me again. He says, Dad, I don't think I want to do this. So he was softer. I don't think I want to play basketball. Son, we've worked too hard. You must keep going. We don't quit. Be a man. Let's go. <laughs> I'm just being, being 
Yes. Then the last year, this year, he said that I don't want to play basketball. He made the varsity team. We're like, mm. this is what we've been working for mm. our whole life. But from a healed place, I realized, wait a minute. I don't expect you to play ball. You play ball if you want to. Play ball if you don't want you to. You took the expectation I off took the him. expectation completely away because I was expecting him yes. to be the basketball star and he was doing that it I am training you to do. And he said to me, if I play ball this year, it would only be because you want me to. Oh. Not because wow. I'm enjoying it. Good for him that he could Yeah, he had to work. And, and so you must have been safe enough. You must have become a safe enough parent for him to be able to tell you. So his truth you. like that. And so we said, you know yeah. what? If you, want, if you don't want to play this year, don't. And so that would be a good word to take away. Be be safe for your kids. Yes. At one year old, at two year old, oh. three year old, when they're crying, when they're, t it's okay. Let them know it's okay to cry. Stop telling your sons stop crying. Find out why they're crying. Start teaching them early. If they can learn the rap songs early, they can learn. I am irritated and I let them show anger see most yes. people that were raised in christian told me it wasn't okay for them to be angry it wasn't okay for me to be angry and so we could get angry but we didn't let our kids be angry that's and that's because problem. it's a reflection we think it's a reflection of our parent and if our child is upset i'm doing something wrong so we only want to see them show us happy faces when that's not real the feelings don't show up when you get 18 they're there Already. already so yeah if you want to do something different in your life get yourself some help but most importantly your children watch what you say let them show their feelings teach them how to deal with the feelings awesome. that they're feeling yeah and then maybe we can like kind of stop this yes. cycle yes yeah come on now. so we have run out of time it goes by so quickly thank you guys for tuning in i so appreciate you uh everyone who shared uh marshawn pam uh, I want to name out names, but I really am running out of time. So thank you, guys. I so appreciate you. Please tune in. Thank you, John. Uh, Ella Marie, is that who mm -hmm. was commenting yeah. earlier on yeah. the watch party, the people who chimed in on the watch party? And we'll give some more shout outs to you. But thank you so much. I would love for you to uh, tune in next week. Same time, same place. We're going to be here on intellectualradio.com. I want you to stay tuned for Overcoming Obstacles with Jada Tennille James. It's a whole lineup here today at Intellectual Radio, but that's going to be another fun show. And I want you to come back here to He Says, She Says. Same time, same place, 2 p.m. on intellectualradio.com.